0: I always say failing forward. That first business, I failed so that I could move forward. And you talk to entrepreneurs every day, Robert. You know this. How many do you talk to had a had a failure prior to their success?
1: <laughs> I think all of them. <laughs> <laughs>
0: right? I mean, it's true. It's so crazy. And, and, you know, we talk so much about the success and, like, everybody wants to hear the success story. I love talking about the failure because, to me, that hat box failure was the best thing that ever happened to Kendra Scott.
1: That's how success happens. From Entrepreneur Magazine, my name is Robert Tuckman. I self-funded, built up, and eventually sold two businesses to major players in the sports and entertainment industry. And I am fascinated by other entrepreneurial minds and what drives high-achieving people. So on this podcast, we're gonna learn what they've learned and what it takes to really succeed. Kendra Scott is the founder, executive chairman, and chief creative officer of Kendra Scott. It's a billion-dollar accessories brand built on family, fashion, and philanthropy. I love Kendra's story and how she continually picked herself up off the mat with her Kendra Scott business, starting out by going door-to-door in Austin selling her jewelry, and also how she learned from her first business that she had started called The Hat Box which she eventually had to close. She is the definition of grit. She founded Kendra Scott, her brand, in 2002, following the birth of her son. The company now has over 100 stores and 850 specialty boutiques, and its wholesale partners include Neiman Marcus, Nordstrom, and Bloomingdale's. Giving back to the community has consistently been a large part of Kendra's businesses. In 2021, Kendra Scott donated 30,000 pieces of jewelry to more than 75 organizations. Her first business, again, The Hatbox, focused on providing headwear to those going through chemotherapy. Her memoir, Born to Shine, Do Good, Find Your Joy, and Build a Life You Love, releases September 20th. It's authentic and gives a great look into challenges, not only in business, but in life. On this episode of How Success Happens, I sat down with Kendra to discuss her upcoming memoir and how she grew Kendra Scott into a billion-dollar business. I started out by asking her about her youth and what led her to move from Wisconsin to Texas at age 16.
0: Growing up in a very, you know, pretty small town, uh, Kenosha, Wisconsin, so between Milwaukee and Chicago, right on Lake Michigan, my mother's family were farmers and coal miners. So I spent a lot of time on the farm in the summer with them. And, you know, just growing up in this like very hardworking Midwestern environment was amazing, but I always knew that there was something bigger on the horizon for me. And I knew it wasn't going to be in this town that I could find that. I didn't know where or what it was going to be, but I knew, I just knew it wasn't going to be there. And so my mother remarried, she moved to Texas and I went a summer before my junior year of high school to visit her and my stepfather and just in Houston felt like, I mean, the biggest city I've ever been in and just dynamic and exciting. And there were palm trees, which, you know, was like exotic for this Wisconsin girl. And, you know, I remember also like I had been, you know, my father and I, I've been raised with him basically from 10 to 16. And I really hadn't gotten to have that close connection to my mom. And I knew I only had a few years left in school. And this was an opportunity to do that. But also an opportunity to hopefully forge my own path forward in whatever that was going to be and an opportunity to leave Wisconsin and kind of see where that next phase was. So, I mean, I was scared. I mean, definitely scared. I was heartbroken to leave my dad, my sweet dad, because we have such a close bond but I also knew that I had to do this for me too that it was important to do this for me and now all of us are obviously so happy that I made that decision then but it took a lot of courage it would have been a lot easier just to stay where I was and but I I knew that I wanted to do it and I think the other thing that helped is coming in the summer I got to meet so many people and in Texas people are just so warm and welcoming and I felt right away very welcome within this community and it gave me a little bit of strength to go ahead and make that move.
1: That's so great. And with your mother and and that relationship, did you find what you were looking for?
0: Very much. I, you know, it was amazing for us to really bond during this really kind of growth stage of my life. But even more than that, you know, my stepfather had been diagnosed with brain cancer uh, right before I had decided to move. So that really was another big moment of why I wanted to go to really support her. And I loved him. So wanting to spend as much time as I could with him as well. And I think us going through that together of the, you know, just being in waiting rooms at MD Anderson and holding each other's hand through that. We really formed a very special bond during that time. And and I'm just so thankful for that time that I had. And and so thankful for the time I had with Rob before, unfortunately, you know, he died of of brain cancer. So it was, it was exactly actually more than what I thought I I was going to find.
1: That's so great. Now I know, you know, you were a young woman and tell me about your first venture into being an entrepreneur?
0: So, you know, as I just mentioned, my my stepfather had brain cancer and all of the hours we were clocking at MD Anderson in Houston, Texas, uh, while he was undergoing brain surgery, and radiation treatments, I was starting to meet other women that were also going through chemotherapy and losing their hair. And since I was a little girl, I loved fashion and design and I loved hats crazily enough. So I brought some of my hats to MD Anderson to give to some of these women. And I noticed that some of the hats were itchy when they put them on. There was They were wool or other fabrics that would itch their heads. So I went back home and I found really soft cotton fabric at Joanne's Fabrics. And I sewed inside cotton linings that would be comfortable and brought the hats back. And I saw how instantly these women felt pretty. They felt like themselves again. They had kind of, you lose your identity. It's hard for anyone to go through this, but then kind of losing your hair, losing, you lose a sense of who you were before. My mom was at Mary Kay Cosmetics. So she had the cosmetic side of things and I brought the fashion and I thought, you know, why aren't there more hat stores out there? It was so difficult for me to find hats to continue to make for these women. And it started my first entrepreneurial journey. And I thought, I am going to change the world and start, the hat trend's gonna come back like it's 1940. I'm gonna open (laughs) hat stores across the United States. So I dropped out of college, to pursue this dream of building a hat empire at 19 years old and wanting to have a purpose with it. If I can do fashion and also do something good, which was we were, you know, giving what we could back to cancer research, specifically brain cancer research at the time and doing things just make women feel good about themselves. It just, for me, that was like everything I could have hoped to do. Unfortunately, the world didn't wear hats again, like it was 1940. I did not open hundreds of stores across the country because my store I had, I would be selling like one or two hats a day. It was just so, so depressing. And I would work in that store seven days a week, open to close. I could barely afford to have any part-time sales associates because we were barely able to pay my rent, but through that five years of running that business and seeing how hard it was, how hard retail was, understanding my overhead, understanding margins and cost of goods, what you know, all of those things, it was my master's degree in retail. It was, I always say I got a master's in the school of hard knocks. I don't think I could have ever had a college education that gave me so much knowledge that I didn't realize at the time I was going to need when I started my next business, which was this great, all these lessons I learned. And it was the bridge, that failure, I always say failing forward, that first business I failed so that I could move forward. And you talk to entrepreneurs every day, Robert. You know this. How many do you talk to had a had a failure prior to their success?
1: <laughs> I think all of them. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs>
0: I mean, it's true. It's it's so crazy. And and you know, we talk so much about the success. And like everybody wants to hear the success story. I love talking about the failure because to me, that hat box failure was the best thing that ever happened to Kendra Scott.
1: And that's what I love because when people hear Kendra Scott now, and and this is what I love about this podcast and what we talk about a lot of times are these failures because people who know Kendra Scott or hear your name or others we've had on the show, just think it's like you're successful right out the gate. All of a sudden, you know, you're selling millions of dollars. But you put in five years in a business that was extremely difficult. What do you think it was inside of you that was keeping that drive alive? Because many people, it doesn't work for six months. They quit. They leave. They're on to something else.
0: You know, I think passion of what you're doing, you have to do it not for the money, okay? Which I know sounds crazy to say. Of course, you want to have financial freedom and all of those things. But for me, my purpose was so much bigger. I couldn't save my stepfather's life, which is difficult when you love someone, you want to do everything you can, but I could do something good in honor and respect of what he was going through. And then when I lost him to just keep his legacy alive, and I really believed when I would see these women coming in or men coming in, and I had a private dressing room for men and women undergoing chemotherapy, seeing this transformation, seeing that I was doing something that helped, even in a small way, that kept me going. It just, I thought there's got to be a way I can keep this going. There's got to be a way. And then when I lost Rob and the sales in the store weren't where they needed to be. And I was living on top ramen, which by the way, I will never eat again in my life. I had to sell my car. I mean, you name it. It was like all of these things. And I finally had to get to a point where I was like, this isn't working and realized that keeping it going, trying to resuscitate this thing wasn't the answer. And what was so crazy is that my answer to my future, Robert, was in that store. I was making jewelry, hand-making pieces of jewelry, putting them on my counter, and they would sell the day I put them out. I was so set that it had to be hats, that I couldn't see what was really working. And I think that's such a lesson for entrepreneurs because we can get so stuck on like, this is the way, this was the plan. And we forget how to be agile and pivot and also look at things from a 360 approach. So it was so difficult to clo- actually make that move to close. But when I did, I had this huge kind of relief. It was like, okay, I can breathe again. I had to go get a job. I mean, I didn't, I couldn't just open. I'm not like, you know, I I had to get a job. I had to pay my rent and my customers were still calling me and it wasn't for hats. They were calling me for the jewelry. So I kept buying supplies and, you know, doing things and realizing while I was working in this corporate job, maybe there's something to the jewelry that I wasn't seeing. And I desperately wanted to be back as my own boss. I did not like Working, I was not as good employee <laughs> as I am, uh, I'm going to tell you right now. Because I always was like, I had all these ideas and wanted to do all these things. And there was so much red tape and so many things you had to go through to make things happen. And it was so frustrating after running your own thing where you have an idea and you just go. So I knew I wanted to get back into running my own business. And I, it took me a minute to figure out what that was going to be.
1: Yeah, I totally know that feeling going from being an entrepreneur and... and- going and working for someone else or selling your business, working for them. And you are definitely in that mold where I can see the passion. You really hear the, end. like I can never imagine you having to work for someone. And the worst is like you said, that red tape, like you have a decision, right? You want to go do it. And like, someone's telling you no, and uh, that's yes. it's so hard, but how was it for you personally? Cause you had to go take this corporate job five years, and I could tell you are driven, and like you said, you're going to make this work. Can you go back and what was that feeling like inside, and how did you pick yourself off the mat?
0: I think it was one of the saddest most self defeating moments of my life. You know, I remember the day clearly of closing that store and thinking, well, everything I did this for was for my stepfather, who now he's lost his battle. I failed. I've dropped out of college. All of my friends are now graduating, getting jobs with a college degree. I have no college degree. I have no money. I'm like, I am the biggest loser. I mean, really, those thoughts go through your head of like, I am ashamed. Like, I was embarrassed to see people too. I just felt like it was just, it was just horrible. I mean, horrible, horrible. And I think what happened for me is it, it wasn't overnight that I was like, okay, you know, I got this job and I kept thinking, You know, and I remember Rob saying to me, use the gifts you were given to do something good. And my gifts were connection with people. My gifts were, I was creative. I loved fashion and design. And I thought, I've got to figure out a way to get back to that. And remember that, you know, everything you go through, and I remember having conversations with him like this, all of the things we go through, there's peaks and valleys in our life. And when we get through those valleys, when we're on our way back and we look back, we go, oh, That's why we had to go through that valley because these lessons, and I thought there's lessons in the hat box. And I've got to remember, I've got to focus on that. But it was, I mean, it was absolutely one of the hardest times of my life. And I think- you know, surrounding myself with really great friends and family is so important in those moments because a lot of times we can lose sight of who we are in those really difficult times. But when you have a really good support system around you, they help you see the light in you when, you, when it dims, right? And they help you bring it back out and ignite it. And they were like, Kendra, you've got the talent. You've got the creativity. Even hearing those words, it's okay. We believe in you. When I was going to start Kendra Scott Jewelry, I didn't want to tell very many people because I didn't want them to be like, oh, this, what is she, you know, here she goes again. It's going to be another failure. So I was very quiet. Unlike the hat box where I was like, we're going to have all these stores. It was quite the opposite. I had to start to prove myself individually and have some successes before I felt confident to tell anyone I was actually in business again.
1: It's so amazing. I totally can empathize with that and understand that. And you know it sounds like rob played a really influential role in who you are like i mean even today this is years later you're still talking about kind of some of these lessons that he seemed to have taught you is he one of the bigger he is i think he-
0: you know, when you know that you have a limited time with someone, and this is such a, a great thing to think about, is you want to absorb. It's like you want to be a sponge. And I wanted to hear so much of his stories of Vietnam. He was a two-tour Vietnam veteran. He was a Purple Heart recipient. He was fought, spoke five languages fluently. And and I just wanted to learn. And And he was just magnetic personality and in such great energy. Uh, he was a vice president at Dell Computer here. He'd walk in and everybody, I mean, he, everyone loved him, right? And he just had this amazing energy. And so I think when you know that you have limited time, you really have some of these deep conversations. And he wanted to leave lessons behind for myself. Uh, his boys were younger. And so he almost was like, you've got to help them see these things too, right? The lessons he knew he wouldn't be there to teach them. So you almost fast pace those conversations. And you think about, you know, the people in our lives, and we sometimes just don't do that enough. And I think, you know, with my own father and my own mother, I'm all like, I don't know how long we have. And that was such a lesson for me of really taking that time. It's so valuable. And and they were the gifts that he, these lessons were great gifts. And they really stuck with me. And when you lose someone, Someone I was 20 years old when he died. It's wow, right? You just it matures you quick. It everything in your life, your perspective changes.
1: Yeah, amazing. And um, let's talk about going from selling hats and closing down and really kind of having that light bulb moment about the jewelry and starting out and like you said, not trying to tell a lot of people, <laughs> um, which I totally get it. Like I'm the same way and and understand, but what were those beginning stages of Kendra Scott, the brand? What was that like? How did you start and how did you grow?
0: So I continued to make jewelry for some of my hat box customers. And I ended up getting, I was married, newly married, and working for a magazine where I was traveling a lot. So it really wasn't an ideal job for a new marriage. I'd be gone sometimes five or six weeks on the road. And shortly after we got married, we got pregnant. And so I knew I needed to change careers, whatever that was going to be. And so when I was pregnant with Cade, I ended up wanting to learn more about jewelry making simply because I was still fulfilling orders for customers. And I took a jewelry making class at a local beach shop. A pregnant, I mean, with my pregnant belly, like learning to make master the wire wrap and some other things and I set up a card table in one of our extra bedroom of our house with my bead board and materials and I really I designed a little collection and I felt like there was white space in the market. What I wanted, I couldn't find. I wanted beautiful semi-precious stones, but at an attainable price point. What I wanted was too expensive for me. I couldn't afford a $300 pair of earrings. It was not something in my budget. So I thought if there was a way that I could still make beautiful handcrafted jewelry and really nice quality materials, but that could be attainable under $100 for a pair of earrings, not cheap, but a Paintable for a woman. And maybe that's, there's something there. There was fashion jewelry and bridge and fine, but there wasn't anything between fashion and bridge. And that's where I felt like, and color really amazing color impact. And so that's what I was really kind of known for was mixing color. And I literally took Cade, my firstborn in a baby Bjorn, and I didn't even have a jewelry case. Like I didn't, I took $500 out to get my supplies. So I put my jewelry in a tea box, like a wooden tea box that has like the little things you open up and there's tea bags in there. I put my jewelry in each little collection in one of those boxes. And Cade and I went store to store boutiques in Austin. And I brought my little collection. I had Kate and a baby Bjorn. I brought my, you know, order forms that I had printed on like word perfect or something. I'm dating <laughs> myself, but for no, those I, of you who perfect, you know, <laughs> and I had little order forms and I showed my samples and, you know, I went store to store that day and I ended up coming home with about five orders. And I sold all of my samples to the last store because they were doing a fashion show. And honestly, I didn't know how I was going to fulfill these orders because I had to buy more materials. So it was a blessing because I got a check and I used that check then to be able to buy the materials to fill the orders I had written that day. I mean, it was, that's how basic this business got started. It was not the big business plan of, I'm going to be Kendra Scott, this billion dollar brand. and We're going to have a hundred plus stores across the country. It was like, if I could do something That I'm loving and I'm passionate about. If I can provide for my family in the process, but also be a present mother to this little baby and create a business that allows me to do that and give back to my community still. That was so important that give back purpose, then that would be success. That's what I wanted. And it just grew. I mean, it would be the stores would sell out within a few days and reorder. Then a Dallas showroom heard about me and wanted to carry my line. Then I was selling all over Texas. Then it was a New York showroom. Then it was Nordstrom. I mean, it, and it was crazy because then I started to go, Hmm, maybe I can start to talk about this. This is feeling real. And I was so excited about what I was doing and being able to create something and and all those lessons from the hat box to utilize them in building this brand of all the mistakes I made, not just mistakes. I mean, I did some things right, but some, but you don't really think about those mistakes and be able to, to build a business differently was really, really exciting. And yeah, the momentum just, it started going and I thought, well, I need money to keep this business going. Like I was still just getting money and I had good margin. Thank God. Cause I was able to reinvest and like, you know, and, but that's how it was going. And I had to get a line of credit. So I used some of my purchase orders, what little inventory I had as collateral. And then I think everything else I owned, I don't even know what I signed away (laughs) um, for that first line of credit, but I had a line of credit and that line of credit was what, I mean, I built my business for 10 years on debt. Nobody would invest in me, Robert, not one person. I got so many notes and I just had to do it like hand to mouth and bootstrap.
1: I love it, especially when you've built a billion dollar brand. I love it because I love the grittiness. I also love you saying how no one would invest in you because there's so many listeners on this show and, and people out there who get no's and no's. And then, you know, but you really just were like, I'm doing this regardless. More from our guests. But first, a word from our sponsors. Think about a bicycle. It takes balance to get where you want to go. Now, think about business. Whatever your business or organization, you ride the line between numbers and people. Just like the bike, it takes balance. CLA, CPAs, consultants, and wealth advisors. That's CLA. We'll get you there. Clifton Larson Allen LLP investment advisory services are offered through Clifton Larson Allen Wealth Advisors LLC, an SEC registered investment advisor. And our next sponsor. Whether you need digital tools so you can bank on the go, or you need a one on one with an experienced business banker, with PNC Bank, you got it. PNC's business banking team is built entirely around the way you like to do business innovative mobile tools that let you manage your cash flow monitor your payments and more around the clock, give you the flexibility that every business owner needs. And PNC combines those digital tools with a team of business bankers who are ready to sit down and talk about the unique needs of your business and help you develop personalized strategies to move your business forward. Learn how PNC Bank can make a difference for you and your business at pnc.com slash bank your way pnc bank national association member fdic and we're back how difficult i mean when you're growing so fast and and things are happening obviously you're going to need employees you're going to need better production how difficult was that going from you know a point where wow this thing took off
0: yeah i mean we were you know seven employees 10, to 10 employees for so long, I can't even tell you. And I think about those 10 employees and so many of them are still with me today, which is amazing. And what we did, how many hats we wore. Like sometimes I'll hear our team say something, things about like, oh, we don't have the bandwidth. And I'm thinking bandwidth. We didn't even say that word back in the day. (laughs) But we, it was such an exciting time for all of us, but it was very difficult. I mean, I thought, okay, there were so many things I wanted to do, but we didn't have the capital. I mean, and I was trying to grow the business, but even little things like, you know, having a booth at the accessory circuit at the, you know, at E&K, that was so expensive. And, you know, I was maxing out credit cards. I was trying to figure out, you know, our float of when I would get money in from one vet. I mean, it was so hard. And during all of this, I ended up getting divorced. I had a one and three year old. So now I'm a single mom. <laughs> trying to get this business off the ground. And I look back on a lot of it, I think, how did we do it? But I, I remember at some point, one person said, well, Kendra, I was an EO, which was Entrepreneur's Organization. And I highly re- recommend any entrepreneur. I love EO. I know there's a lot of different organizations, but when you can get around people that have a like mind and you guys are going through such similar things and there are nuggets of information that they might have that you need and vice versa... It is so powerful and you can be vulnerable with one another, which is key because I think sometimes we try to act like we have it all together and we know everything. That's honestly one of the worst things we can do (laughs) to say, I'm struggling in this area or this is really hard. What did you do? Or did you, you know, I respect how you built this business. Can you help me? In this place I'm in right now, or do you have any words of wisdom? I promise you, you're going to get so much more by doing that. And I had this really great group of entrepreneurs that helped me, but they would say, Kendra, get an angel. <laughs> it's like, well, yeah, no, exactly. Hello, where, where do these angels <laughs> Right. And you have to remember, this was a different time. We weren't in this digital age that you can just Google things. It was very different, right? Yeah. And so I would try to go to some places and venture firms here in, in Texas and in Austin. And it was the tech boom. If you weren't a tech company or software or I, and they were like, well, do you have anything from the technology side that you're working on? I'm like, no, I'm a jewelry designer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I would walk out and and I would feel so defeated, but I I had great advice. I built an advisory board. So after realizing I wasn't going to have anybody invest in me, I wanted desperately to have the discipline of a board and wanted to have those, you know, quarterly meetings and really have feedback so that I could learn or see what we might I needed to work on. So I got a group of advisors in different areas of expertise that I really 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 admired and asked them to be advisors to my company and I gave them a very small earned in equity position because their time is valuable. And they sat there as advisors to me. And one of my advisors said, Kendra, focus on building the best company you can build. And if you build it, they will come. Your phone will ring. You will not have to pick up the phone and reach out to any firm, any investor, any angel. And I said, you mean they're just going to call me? And he said, yeah, they're going to call you. And at that moment, I was just, it was a pivotal shift of, We're just going to keep going with what we have and we're going to build it the best we can build it. And that's exactly what happened. In 2010, we really changed our business model and the phone started ringing and there you go. And here we are, you know, it was like, they, they were like, we, we love what you're creating. We've seen your stores. We've seen the line around your stores. What is going on? What are you doing in this store?
1: I want you to talk about 2010 and and the big changes that happened. But first, I want you to talk about going through the Great Recession. And was that a difficult time for the business?
0: It was. I loved the recession. I didn't love it in the time but I love it now. Uh, in 2000, Until 2008, 2009, I was a strictly wholesale company. So that means I'm selling to other stores because that was safe. After the hat box, I wasn't going to get into retail again. No, 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 no. That was too scary. So this was much safer. I could just create the product, ship it out. They have to sell it hands are clean. Well, 2008 happened. And all of a sudden, all these retailers that I was working with, many were filing bankruptcy. Many were shuttering boutiques across the country. Buyers that I had established relationships in some of the big stores were losing their jobs. And I realized all of my eggs were in one basket and that they had the power. And I didn't have a direct connection to the most important person my customer. I had connections with the buyers and the owners of the stores, but I did not have a direct connection with my customer. And that is when I knew I had to change our business model. We had to focus on direct-to-consumer. We had to build out an e-commerce website. So we really like focused in on that put open the first store where we had our offices above it. So what we could all be part of the store and learn from our customer and talk to her every day. And that is when our business started to experience this lightning in a bottle growth. The recession was a shake the snow globe moment mm. of you have to do something different. Sometimes we'll just go along because it's safe. We're, you know, we were doing okay and growing a little bit, but we weren't doing anything astronomical, Right the recession forced me to have to look at my business differently and when i did that and created this amazing retail experience and online experience and customization a bar and tool where you could create your own jewelry all of those things were because the my snow globe was 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 totally disrupted right and so when you you know pandemic all of these things when you're looking at them I and we're looking at a recession right now ahead of us is to think about it and go all these times that have happened in my business. I started after 9-11, right after 9-11. My business grew the biggest it ever grew after the 2008 recession. Those to people think, oh my God, how is that possible? But those are the times when if you really focus on your customer and and how you can meet them in that moment, it really can be exciting.
1: I love how you talk about that and, and looking back and it's so hard so many times going through those times. But then you look back and you're like, wow, that was actually so great for my business. And that is what changed things. And that's what turned Kendra Scott into a billion-dollar brand, let's say. What was that like going from 2010, let's say, up till today? Because I want to talk about So like. in
0: 2012, I got my first investor, which was one of my advisors uh, who had been advising me as a, you know, a mentor. And finally was like, Kendra, this is incredible. Cause I had now opened some stores, the impact of our retail experience was so different than any jewelry shopping experience. It was very disruptive. Jewelry was freely displayed on tables where people could touch and feel it and try it on. They didn't have to ask a sales associate to get it out from under glass. And it was disruptive. I mean, we had the color bar where people were drinking champagne and eating cupcakes. We were having all these events and it was just building momentum. And it was like after one store, we saw the success. Then we opened another, we saw the success and we realized we really had something special. So my first investor was an advisor, and he came in, and that was the first time somebody said those words to me: "I would like to invest in your company, Kendra." And at first, I said just to my friend Steve, "I'm like, did I hear you right? Like, is that? I don't. I mean, you want to invest? Like, wait, I've been going ten years." a decade and no one has said those words to me and boy, have I asked and he did. And so he got a small you know, percentage within the company, but it was also the first time I felt like I had someone else on my team and it had already been somebody that I loved and respected so much, such a dear friend. And so it was such a great, cause I could finally feel like I had somebody to bounce ideas off of. Yeah. I took a little bit of money off the table for the first time in 10 years. It wasn't a huge amount, but for me, it felt like I had financial independence, I wasn't living paycheck to paycheck for the first time in my entire life, which was really an amazing feeling. And then just very shortly after that, we got our first private equity investor for around 18, 19% of the company at $120 million valuation. And three years after that investment, we had a PE firm come in at a $1.1 billion valuation, how fast we were growing. I mean, going from 25 million to 75 million. So, I mean, the, the numbers were unbelievable and the growth was so fast. But the key was I started bringing on great team members. It was all about building a team of people where we identified our strengths, but more importantly, knew our weaknesses. And I was hiring people that were amazing at the things that I knew I wasn't great at, but collaboratively, we could work together in such a dynamic way, but we all shared the same core values. We all shared the same heart. So you, when you have that, it's a dynamic culture that you start to create. And it was fast, but boy, is has it been fun.
1: How was it, let's say, obviously you had grown really fast and it's amazing how you talk about not taking anything off the table for 10 years and then all of a sudden it's two years, this private equity firm comes in, another one, the valuation. <laughs> I mean, that just must be such an incredible feeling, but in the last couple of years during the pandemic, and now hopefully rearview view mirror looking back,
0: how was that for the business? The pandemic again, I mean, it was such a hard time for the entire world, right? And something that you've never gone through anything like this. I mean, yeah. I couldn't even, you couldn't even imagine. It was like something you were watching, like a, like a movie, you know, it just didn't even seem real. Oh, really? I remember March 16th having to to make the decision to close all of our stores and having to make that video for my company and my team and talk about what our plans were and how right now that entrepreneurial spirit that we all have, that entrepreneurial mindset, I need everyone to think like an entrepreneur. There is no idea that is a bad idea. And we have to meet our customer where she is. Right now, she's at home. She may be scared. She may not be knowing what to do. So we need to reach out to our customer because connection at Kendra Scott is always first. We believe that that customer connection is everything. I've trained them to know that if a customer leaves our store with a smile, that is a successful interaction. They do not have to leave with a yellow bag. If we made a positive connection, they will either come back, they will share that story, that experience. So in the pandemic, it was were connecting and our sales associates who weren't working in the store, we started having them pick up the phones. Uh, they were virtually styling. So they were walking our customers through to try to just have a little bit of normalcy in their life of here's our new collection and I'm in store by myself, but let me show it to you. And, you know, we created, we rushed curbside so that we could have, you know, buy online, pick up in a store. And our associates were out there like giving gifts, not just jewelry, but we were out there with pom-poms and signs saying, we love you. We were at hospitals, our staff was going out, they were our boots on the ground in all these communities. So we utilized our teams to go to hospitals and give nurses gifts, working with local vendors to do taco stands and ice cream stands and anything we could think of to just get out in the community and spread joy, because that's what our brand is about. And what we saw during that time is that, you know, over the last 20 years, we have built such a connection with that, you know, almost over probably 15,000 charitable organizations that we work with, that when the pandemic happened, those people reached out to us and said, you've always been there for us. You've never said no for a silent auction. You've never, you've always said yes, you've always been there and we're going to support you now during this difficult time. And it was a really moving moment for me. I was reading some of these messages, hearing customer service calls. And I, mean, I got, I'm getting choked up thinking about it because because it really was like, wow, this is different than just a jewelry brand, like what we have done and, and who our customers are and where they really have become family to us. And it showed me how important, you know, that, that that's what we need to continue to always put first and foremost in our business.
1: Yeah. It seems like that spirit that you had from when you were 20 with Rob and the social impact and being way ahead of others in business and giving back the philanthropy side of of everything you've done, it's really incredible to see that because, you know, it's only been very recently that, that I've noticed that a lot of companies are starting to get out there, right? But you've been, you know, that's been a big part of your culture, it seems like, for so many years.
0: I mean, it's really been how we identify success. I mean, we would have a big thermometer in our corporate headquarters and it would have our give back dollars and what our goal was for the year. And, you know, we would track that as much as we were tracking our top line revenue. I mean, it was driving all of us. And, you know, I look at my, you know, look at retail and people are saying, you know, it's so hard right now to hire, and, you know, turnover and everything else. Our store employees are, they see their impact. They're hosting Kendra Gives Back events. They're working in hospitals in the pediatric center with Kendra Care Events, they're getting to see that this is much more than just a retail job, and that the impact that they personally are having is so important, and the value that they're giving to their community is so important. So it's a very different philosophy. And I was told, I mean, many times, this is you can't run a successful company like this, Kendra. You're gonna never be able to be financially successful as a business with you giving all this stuff away. And I, I firmly believe that they were wrong, and I stayed true to what how we envisioned success. And they were wrong because we have to a lot of things. Yeah. So, But, you know, but I think it's, a. I hope to be a beacon for other companies out there that think about it in your beginning. It's not just a a box to check. Philanthropy isn't a box to check. It has to be true to who you are as the founder or the visionary. It has to be true to your company. And it has to be something that everyone that you hire believes in fiercely and wants to be a part of. It can't just be a check the box thing because it won't come from an authentic place. And people can see that from mile you know miles and miles away if it's not authentic. So for us, it was just who we were in our foundation of our brand from day one, who I was. But you're right. I mean, we were ahead of the time, but we it, it wasn't like it was a non-negotiable when I started,
1: yeah. and I am so sure just from having that mission and others and those events and things you're doing, especially, nowadays right post pandemic as part of a culture of a company that's got to be so enticing to so many people who want to work for someone like you or in a business like yours so it's so great to hear that that started when you were 20 years old right and it's carried over now and i want to talk about you and you're about to release your memoir called Born to Shine, which I love that name. (laughs) Um, But first, what what made you decide right now at this point to share your personal story?
0: You know, I think for many years, I've I've journaled a lot. I've thought a lot about things. And I think when 2020 hit, where we were spending so much time at home, you know, I wasn't in the office every day like I was prior to that. I had some time to really reflect. It was such a hard year. It was a very hard year for me personally with my family and other things besides the business. So adding that on is a layer. And but to the outside world, I think everybody thought, Kendra Scott's great, right? Like everything's wonderful. And I thought it was so important to share with people that, the struggle, the the times when we're going through hard things, it really is part of what makes us unique and special. And these imperfections that we're all trying to cover up to try to be perfect or try to look like we're super women, I wanted to share that, like, let's stop doing that, right? And in talking about being vulnerable, and that each of us, our story, the trips, the bumps, the falls along the way, that's what makes each of us unique and beautiful, just like us, st- like our jewelry. I think about stones. The imperfections are what make them sometimes the most valuable, the most rare. And I started to kind of play on that a little bit, thinking about, wow, if we could just all see ourselves as this beautiful, unique, unbelievable gemstone, right? And that the things that that to be proud of our story and to instead not trying to show something that you're not, but own who you are because there's no one like you, but you and we were all born to shine. And the power of not only knowing that, that you've got this special light in you, but that sometimes it dims. And what we talked about before, having people around you or being the one that'll lift that light back out in someone you love um, is such a powerful thing too. And and showing experiences of my own life and how times in my life being vulnerable and sharing the good, the bad, the ugly, and everything in between I thought was important. And I think today we just need some good stories of hope, but also being real and honest with one another. And I thought if I could do it, maybe others will feel comfortable to do it too.
1: Yeah. You know, it's incredible because I know during those times, at least for me as well, were really difficult personally. And I was starting another business and you have to kind of put on this face and, and struggling. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's so hard. I also, I journal as well and and meditate and do it, but it was so difficult. And I love how you're sharing the imperfections and the tough times and the personal stories, because to me, that's really authentic. And I think people, whether it's in business and then your other, your life, you know, your
0: life, which they all are. I mean, you think about your life, right. And you have career, you have family, all these elements and people are like, well, Kendra, right. You know, they wanted me to like do a business book. And I'm like, my story isn't just about entrepreneurship. My story is about the struggle of being a single mom and going through divorce and overcoming these obstacles. And I think no matter anyone who reads this book, whether you're an entrepreneur or in business, or you're making a career change or something, a big life change in your life, uh, going through a difficult time or trying to figure out what you might want to do next. I wanted something that could really relate to all those types of people because I have been those types of people all throughout my life. And I'm not just an entrepreneur. I'm a mom. I'm a businesswoman. I'm a wife. I'm a daughter. We are all these you know different things. And so I wanted it to be uh, something bigger than that.
1: It must be really enjoyable. I mean, just such a great thing. I think Back to when you were starting this business, and and you said you had you know one year old and a three year old, and carrying around your baby store to store, <laughs> almost like she helped you build this business. Had such an incredible bonding to share, I, I guess, with her now. And obviously, she doesn't remember that unless she was like the smartest baby. Of boys, all. Well, yeah, they're boys, but yeah, boys. Yeah. Okay, yeah. They,
0: You know, what's amazing. So they're 21. So he's is about to be 21. So he was a baby three months old when I started. So the age of the business is Kate. Every year he basically celebrates a birthday. I'm a few months after we're celebrating the start of our company. But, you know, he and his brother Beck, I mean, they'd come to my office. We had a pack and play when there were seven of us. Some of our other employees had their babies. I mean, we would be passing around babies. I'd be on the phone with Nordstrom. We'd be like trying to take a baby so baby wouldn't start screaming and crying in the process. I mean, but it was such a, amazing thing. And I think we built this company on family and creating a workplace that allowed us as women to be mothers, but to also have a dynamic, amazing career that we loved. And that's kind of the utopia we've built at Kendra Scott. I mean, we're over 95% women. Many of them are mothers. We have kids playrooms. We have mother nursing rooms, wellness rooms for nursing moms. We've created this environment that supports that family comes first and we respect each other and help and support each other when we need to. And it's a very special place to work, but it's also fun to think that we created something that didn't exist like this before, especially in fashion, which was a dog eat dog. I mean, very different world. And here we are in Austin, Texas. I was told I couldn't have a, a real fashion brand that wasn't based on the coasts. So I, I think for all entrepreneurs out there, you know, a lot of people are going to tell you things. And they're gonna say, you can't do this or that won't work or, you know, or move out of your city. And you know what? You've got to trust your gut. You've got to trust your heart and you have to stay true to who you are and know that, you know, Austin, Texas is part of the DNA of Kendra Scott. The reason our brand is, is so successful is because we don't look like everybody else. We're not trying to be everybody else. So I think that's really hard when you're starting out. It's easy to fall into those pitfalls of really starting to think, Oh, maybe I just need to be more like them. And if you start doing that, you've already failed. You've got to really take hold, be disruptive, be unique, and really know like who I am. I'm the only one. So let's put my fingerprint on this, not anybody else's.
1: I love that. And I was gonna say, in the little time we had left, funny enough, I was gonna say, you know, throughout your book and this interview, you've offered, you know, a lot of great advice. And I was gonna say, what is the one piece of advice that you'd highlight for young entrepreneurs looking to make success happen for themselves? I don't know if there's anything to add to that because what <laughs> you just said was so inspiring. Oh, but is there you. anything else that you could say? especially, and I love your story, how you talk about the struggles and everything, but is there anything you can leave with some of our younger entrepreneurs out there who are looking to make the, you know, take the leap or just starting and having trouble picking themselves off the mat.
0: I wrote something down earlier because I wanted to say this to you guys. And I said, no one can do this alone. It takes a village, okay? And when you're an entrepreneur and you're starting out, you have so much, the weight of so many things on your shoulders. Making those first few hires are really scary. One, because you know now you have payroll and that's bigger than just paying yourself. But really identifying, it's not just, oh, I've got this task that needs to be fulfilled so I'm going to hire this person for that task. Think about when you're hiring those first few people, really again that they share your core values. That on the worst of days you could you are going to love being around that person and on the best of days you're going to have the most fun around those people, but they've got to create have things that you don't have. If you start hiring carbon copies of yourself, which is easy to do because mm-hmm. you just want to be around, right? Like, oh, That's she's like me. Yeah. But you've got to hire people that are bringing different qualities to the table and being receptive of allowing collaboration to happen. And it's hard because you have such ownership in this, right? But I think being receptive to collaboration is so important and knowing that it's going to take a great team, a great team. And even if that team starts out as two of you and then three of you and then four of you. And then 50 and then 3000, you still keep that team and true to those things. So you can teach skills, but you can't teach hard, as I said before. And I think that's an important lesson.
1: That is so true. <laughs> I love that. I am going to use that. You can <laughs> teach skills, but you cannot
0: teach, teach hard. hard.
1: That is awesome. Well, you were definitely born to shine and, and hopefully there'll be many others who will read the book as well. And really get kind of what you've given us today, as I said, so inspiring. I love your authenticity. I love how you talk about the challenges. And you really face so much from being a single mom to all those no's and talking about those years of rejection. And now look at you. So.
0: Thank you. I think if anyone can leave one thing, anything is possible. It doesn't matter where you come from, small town in Wisconsin, how many people tell you you can't do something. If you don't have the right degrees, in my case, I'm a college dropout. I'm now a professor (laughs) at the University of Texas. I have my own institute at the University of Texas. So what I want people to know is anything is possible. And when you're having those moments of doubt and self-doubt, please look back at this story because I promise you, you know, you can do it. You can absolutely do it. And all of you were born to shine.
1: Love it. Kendra, thank you so much for joining us on How Success Happens. That was so great. Thank you. And that's our episode. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to How Success Happens wherever you get your podcasts. We come out with a new episode every Wednesday morning, and you don't want to miss it. And if you like to share, please feel free to pass along the show to an entrepreneur friend who could use a boost and I could always use the subscribers. And do you have ideas for guests? I always love to hear about great entrepreneurs. If you know anyone, shoot me an email at hsh at entrepreneur.com or on Twitter at Robert Tuckman, that's R-O-B-E-R-T-T-U-C-H-M-A-N. Or even send me a message on LinkedIn. How Success Happens is a production of Entrepreneur Media. Be sure to visit entrepreneur.com for insight on building your business or even better yet, subscribe to our magazine. No joke, I found my first job after reading about a company in Entrepreneur Magazine back in the 1990s. It's always been my absolute favorite magazine for entrepreneurs. Thanks for listening and spending some time with me today. Until next time, my name is Robert Tuckman, just a fellow entrepreneur and your host. See you soon.